All right. Welcome back to You Influence Podcast. Uh, today we have Lisa Patrick as our guest today. And let me just um, briefly give the proper introduction here because as I was going through the, um, the background on you, I was more and more awed, right? And um, as of yesterday, I found out that you have your own podcast as well, uh, Coffee with Lisa. Yes. Uh, I think people definitely should check it out. I browsed through it. I saw some of the guests that you already had a chance to host on there. Very, very impressive. I got to be honest. So Coffee with Lisa, definitely check her out. But uh, Lisa is from Alberta, Canada. She's also the CEO and founder of a company called extracredits.com. And that's extra without the E. So it's X-T-R-A credit. For extraordinary people. There you go. I love it. And uh, you're also a speaker and a trainer, right? I am a speaker. I am not a trainer, but you're I am not a, a trainer. Speaker. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So you, you are a speaker. And what do you speak on? So really, you know, I, I truly believe that for everybody in life, we are all about our network and our connections. And if we don't have a really viable, genuine network and we cannot be genuine in our connections, um, we really aren't satisfied as an individual or uh, we can't, we're doing our companies and the, our clients a disservice by making genuine connections with people. And so I talk about making connections. I talk about the value of education today versus what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and where is it going to be in the next 20 years? And we all need to adopt a philosophy of learning. Um, we're continually learning whether we recognize it or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what type of events do you speak at? So what type, what type of audience do you speak to? Yeah, so all different kinds. So anybody out there who really wants to make a connection, um, and you already spoke about you know, the, the value of, of who I have on uh, my Coffee with Lisa show and who my experts are at Extra Credits. And for those of you who don't know what Extra Credits is, it's an online-based platform with the best in the world teaching you how to become the best with experts who really truly walk the talk. So we have Grant Cardone. I know that you know who Grant is because you've been to some of his 10X conferences. And so if there's anybody in the world who doesn't walk the talk, it's Grant. Grant walks the talk. Um, so I have a lot of experts around there as well. So I speak on, on many different things. Okay, great. And I definitely want to circle back around to what you do currently because I found it very um, yeah. impressive when it comes to taking information and delivering it to the end consumer on a state level. That's what yeah. makes it very impressive. So I want to come back around to it. Uh, I, right now, I want the audience to get to know you as far as who you are. Sure. As Lisa, before you became the Lisa Patrick, you know, who, <laughs> who, who you were as, as a kid growing up, what type of uh, mentality did you grow up with, your background, what influences you've had on your personal and professional life prior to starting to, you know, extracredit.com. Yeah. So I am just a small town girl. I grew up, I had 40 people in my class from kindergarten to grade 12 in our small rural farm farming town in Saskatchewan. And so I'm a, I'm an only daughter of two absolutely amazing parents. Um, I couldn't be more blessed in life uh, when I was young and today now, obviously, um, having great role models. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur at heart and so was my mother. So my dad is XRCMP actually. And uh, as a little girl, I only ever remember, and I know 
as kids, we always get the question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? Yep. And since I was 11 years old, I, I never, ever faltered in the fact that I wanted to be a cop. That was it. I was going into law enforcement. I was becoming a police officer, which interestingly had nothing to do with my dad because my dad exited the RCMP when he was, which is the Royal Canadian Mount Police, for those of you who don't know what that means, um, when I was about kindergarten. So I wasn't very old. So I don't really have any memories of my dad being a cop. But it was just my intuitive nature to be researched and always be in a place of learning. And so that was it. I was going to be a cop. I was going to be undercover narcotics cop. That was my goal right from the time I was, gosh, I can't remember, like 10 years old, I think. Uh, that was it. Everybody else was, you know, they were going to be a doctor. They were going to be a lawyer. They were going to be an actress. And it changed all the time. But for me, it never, ever changed. And so when I got out of high school, I went into law enforcement training. And I took my law enforcement training here in Edmonton. And then I worked in sex crimes for six months for the city of, of Edmonton. And I knew then I did not want to be a cop. Did and you say sex crimes? Yeah, I worked in sex crimes. You guys um, have that in Canada as well? We have it everywhere, unfortunately. You know, crime, wow. crime is everywhere. It's not, um, it's not resistance to ge geography, let's put it that way. Uh, and so... After I exited out of um, that particular, I didn't know what to do. I was really at a kind of a bit of a loss because my whole life, I wanted to be a cop. And now I wasn't going to be a cop. Now what was I going to do? Um, so how, how, I how old were you at that point? Like how, how, uh, how so much time did you serve already as a cop? Yeah, I finished my law enforcement training when I was, gosh, 21 years old. So at 21, I was really kind of floundering i didn't know what i wanted to do in life um so i went back to school i went to university for a little bit and while i was in university i got introduced to the private investigation world and i decided to do some i had to put some of my skill sets to work uh, and so i went in and, and worked for a company and i worked for a company for six months and i absolutely hated it i hated the way that they did things the way that they treated their staff the way that the processes and the systems were created. And so I said, that's it. I'm going on my own. So I started my own private investigation firm, was very successful at it, and uh, exited it about five years later. Uh, and I have never gone back working for anybody since. I have always worked for myself. Why did so, you exit the PI? Pardon me? Why did you exit the PI business? Uh, so at that time, so another challenge in my life, nothing has, so for those of you who are watching, nothing has ever come easy for me. So I married in that time frame, and we wanted to have children and we struggled having children. There was nothing physically wrong with myself or my husband. Um, so we had to go through in vitro to get pregnant. And then we were successful in the first round and we were pregnant with twin daughters. And that's why I exited. I couldn't jump around with a great big belly and run around with wigs and all these kinds of fun things that I was doing back then. So I left the company uh, and stayed home for a number of years with my children uh, before I actually came into the next company and the following company, which now is extra credits. So, okay. Yeah, so so in, the, I, in the PI world, you actually worked for a PI agency. It wasn't your, it wasn't your business. I did for six months and I didn't like how they, how they did their business, how yeah. they operationally um, as well as corporate culture. And so I started my own firm and uh, it was 
you know, took five years and was very good at it. And, and uh, I loved what I did. Um, I worked with insurance companies, uh, investigating insurance claims at the time, as well as uh, uh, legal companies for child custody cases. I didn't do any of the, oh, your husband's cheating on you type of thing. But yeah, so I absolutely loved it. It was a whole lot of fun. And a lot of boring times sitting in the back of a van waiting for a subject to come out, you know, so like it wasn't all glamour, but there was lots of exciting things that happened as well. But That is very interesting. You know, I can't, I could not picture you as a PI. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was. So, you know, I had red wigs, blonde wigs, blue wigs, black wigs, bellies seven different coats. I called it the tickle trunk in the back of my vehicle. And, and I had a couple of different alias names, which was very interesting actually, because I remember a time, so you'll find this quite funny, actually. Uh, I was at a friend's house um, and this was a friend who had a lot of friends that weren't acquaintances of mine. And we're sitting there and this lady walks into the, into this, into the house and, and I'm like, gosh, I know I know her from somewhere. Where do I know her from? So anyways, this is a, as the evening went on, I realized that she was a subject of mine. I had been following her, and this was a couple years prior, so she wouldn't have recognized me or anything, but I'm like, oh my God, I can't be in this room. And so anyways, my girlfriend that was there, I said, look, uh, uh, my name is so-and-so, and she knew that if I had used that name that something was seriously wrong in the network and that I needed to leave immediately because it's something to do with my private investigation world. So anyways, I just said, I am, and I can't say my name because obviously years later, but, and she's like, okay, I'll see you later. And uh, yeah. So sometimes your lives conflict with yeah. you know, back in the day, right? Because I'm now I'm in a social setting, private, personal social setting, and I have a subject in the room. So it was, a, it was an interesting time. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Um, so when did you get involved with uh, personal development? Well, I, I think I always was involved. With, well, I know, I don't think I know I was always involved with personal development. So from a young age, I have to say I was a little bit of an overachiever when it came to things. So, you know, if there was something that I could learn and get involved in, I did. So I was in curling, I was in basketball, I was in volleyball, and I was in badminton. It was, there wasn't a sport on the planet that I didn't play or a community, um, not event, but I would say a community event that I wasn't involved in, partly because my dad was heavily involved in community events. So he was part of the Kinsman, and my mom was Kanat and all these things. And so absolutely everything that I could touch that I could learn about I did. And I was fortunate that my parents, you know, God bless my mother, because I now have daughters that are 13 and I'm driving them everywhere. I mean, she drove me absolutely everywhere. I was, you know, I raced on a ski team and then I was an instructor and then it, like there wasn't anything that I didn't touch. Um, so I'm always, always learning. And then when I grew up into my adult life, it still resonated. Like I still am always learning. I have a library of books. Um, I always take an hour a day to whether I'm watching a YouTube or listening to a podcast or I've got a book in front of me. It's, it's just a thirst of knowledge. Um, uh, you know, there's just so much in the world. It's like people who travel and they just can't get enough of traveling because there's never enough places that you in your entire lifetime that you can visit. Well, learning is the same thing. There's just never enough that you can learn. And if you can walk away with one golden nugget every single day, that's 
to me is a profound impact on your life. Absolutely. I mean, you, you talk about every single day. Um, I go to events quite often. I actually, personally, I have a goal to be at four uh, national events every year, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it's business related, personal development related, something tactical and technical, right? Yeah. Uh, so not only for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of networking. I mean, yes. you and I met like that too. We met in Vegas last year at a success yeah. summit, right? Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about walking away with a golden nugget every day, my intention to go to these events is not to walk away with 21 different ideas to go back home and execute. It's yeah. to take one maximum, two solid ideas, something that I haven't yeah. done, go back and apply it. That's like one Absolutely. nugget out of the entire weekend. And when I think you people, it's funny you say that because I think people have a misconception of going to events um, in the fact that, you know, you go to an event that's got 300 people, let's say, well, you can't physically meet 300 people. You can't even meet 10 people and make a genuine connection with 10 people at that event. And people think, you know, it's all about the numbers. It's not about the numbers. Yeah. I always think when I go to an event, if I can walk away with one golden nugget to apply to my business, okay. and if I can walk away with three genuine connections from three different people, that if it's a three-day thing, it might be only one person per day, that is a success because you cannot be one to all and you cannot meet one and all. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, when you're shaking hands, yeah, I mean, people exchange cars and stuff, but in my experience, not just my opinion, but in my experience is the depth of that connection. Yeah. That will give you the evaluation. Was it a successful connection or not? Yeah, absolutely. And so many people, and I laugh all the time when I get introduced to somebody or they introduce themselves and they introduce themselves as their occupation. Hi, my name is John Smith and I am a physical therapist. <laughs> Great. Like, nice to meet you. See you later. Like that's my, you know, or like that's not how you introduce yourself to somebody. Hi, my name is Lisa Patrick and I am genuinely want to know how do you effectively learn to make your business and life better? How do you do that? And it engages a conversation. It's not about you. It's about them. Exactly. It's um, sometimes people ask me like, do you, do you go to events with business cards? I'm like, most of the time. Yes. Is it a goal to carry business cards? Maybe I'm wrong about this. For me, it's not. It's not a goal because, and I still get criticized to this day. And I've been doing this for years, right? I get criticized for, when I'm introducing myself, what, by not stating the company I'm with or what I do. Because my approach is, hey, my name is Raphael. You know, what do you do? So the focus is more on the uh, becoming interested in the other party rather than being, you know, hey, Check me out. I'm interesting. Here's my card. This and is what I, we do. We got I actually connect. take that one step further, Raphael. I never ask, what do you do? I say, why do you do what you do? Why do you do and it? I really don't care what you do. I'll figure that out eventually. But if we don't have a common denominator why you do what you do, I'm not interested in having a relationship with you. So I always ask, why do you do what you do? And most people kind of look at me and they don't know what to say because nobody really ever asks that. They always ask, what do you do? Well, what is not who defines you? Why is what defines you? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's the golden nugget right there. Yeah. That's the golden nugget. <laughs> so, well, Simon, yeah. it's the Simon Sinek principle. Why do you do Absolutely. Right? So, since you brought it so up. So, why do you do what you do, Raphael? Because it brings me a genuine fulfillment knowing that I'm making a difference in the other entrepreneurial business owner's life. And that only comes from experience because knowing what it takes to build a traditional business. I'm not talking about online marketing stuff. I'm talking about, you know, investing your time, money, uh, not being able to see your family for a long period of time and just doing that, the overhead, the frustration, the art, like the, the, the partnerships, everything. Yeah. I think that takes a toll on a person's health, not having um, a viable system in place where your employees are valuing their uh, position or their role on the team. So knowing that I could make and my team could make a difference in our client's life, not just business, life, because that's what it is, right? They're building a business to bring value to their personal life. So if we can improve their life by affecting their business, to me, that is satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely. Only, only, only because I felt the pain before. Not because yeah. I'm a consultant coming and say, listen, you know what? We can help you. You know, here's our amount. Here's a contract. We don't even do contracts, by the way. You know, but only because I felt the pain, I, I internalized it. And yeah. that's why I have a genuine interest in affecting them in a positive way. Well, and I think as a business owner um, and an expert in, in any field, it doesn't matter what expert. And I always say to somebody, listen, you're an expert in your field. Your obligation to the people that you speak to and speak with is to share your knowledge and your wisdom. And if you are not sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your heartache and the problems that you had and the solutions that you found, it, you're not doing anybody a, a service you're actually giving them an injustice, if you will, because it's your obligation to share that knowledge with somebody. And I just did this this morning with the gentleman. I you know, listened to his TED talk and it was outstanding. The gentleman's name is Mark Bowden. Uh, he's from Toronto and he's a body language expert. And if you ever have a chance and I'm giving him a plug right now, go see his TEDx speech. It was phenomenal. What's and his name again? Mark Bowden? Mark Bowden. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, Last year, I think he was the number one body language expert in the world. Um, And he's a Canadian. Yay! (laughs) But anyways, um, so what I was saying is is that I learned, by selling online courses, I've learned a number of things that have happened in the business side of building an online course network um, that is invaluable to anybody, whether they're in my network or not. And one of them is if your Google speed site on your website is not fast. In other words, if somebody comes to your site and it takes seven seconds to load, they leave. So you'll have a bounce rate of like 95%. They'll never find you or your course because they're not going to stick around. You need to be at a two second speed level. And so if you have an online course that is down the page of your website and it takes seven seconds to load and another three to four seconds to find you, that's like eight, nine, 12, 10 seconds. They're never going to find your online course. Sorry, it ain't going to happen. So, you know, those are things that you need that I learned um, building our business that is invaluable to anybody who has an online course. So check your Google speeds. Yeah, I actually recently did that to mine, which um, shame on me. I've neglected our company site for a while. 
And when I just came to find, I'm like, oh my Lord, we need well, to. Well, then people say, hey, how come nobody's hiring me to be a speaker? Nobody's buying my shit. Well, because they can't find it. You can't just put a site up there and say, hey, here I am. Come buy from me. People Ab- will buy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me do a U-turn here. Why do you do what you, what you do with extra credits? You know what? I wake up every single morning with the dedication to make an impact on somebody's life with some kind of golden nugget of learning. And so I'm dedicated to finding the best experts in the world so that they can then share their knowledge with you so you can make an impact on your business with actual knowledge that actually works. So you would consider yourself as a facilitator, not really uh, an educator directly? Well, I think I educate, but I also facilitate. And I broker and I do all these wonderful things (laughs) to try to help somebody find the right expertise. I think in the education market, here's the problem. This is what I believe is a problem. This is my personal opinion, is that there's so much information out there now that we can't filter who's who in the zoo and who really does have the expertise because everybody calls himself an expert now. So I just recently had a conversation with a lady who said, well, I'm the number one expert. I'm like, okay, so how are you the number one expert? What makes you give you that right to that claim? Well, my client told me I'm the number one expert, but that doesn't give, that doesn't tell you that, tell me that you're the expert. Did you work on a New York Times bestselling author? You know, do you have 1,000 testimonials? Do your results in your business specific to your topic actually confirm what you teach? That's a huge one because lots of people say, well, I'm an expert and I, you know, I'm going to make you a million dollars. Grant Cardone is a perfect example. Are you going to believe he's the expert? Well, how many millions has he made? So of course he's the expert in sales because he's made a million dollars and he's going to teach you how to sell a million dollars versus someone who is, says that they're, you know, you know, they're an expert in sales, but they've done $40,000 in sales in the last year in revenue. Well, the results speak for themselves. That's interesting you um, bring that up. And I, I am going to come back to this, but before I forget, um, a few years ago, I went to a workshop or a seminar here in New York City. Uh, they were visiting. I've never heard of the guy personally. I yeah. saw their ad uh, running on Facebook. I'm like, okay, what the heck? Sounds legit. And the marketing, the branding behind it was the number one coach or number one millionaire mentor, something like that. Okay, yeah. I went to check it out. Um, now I realize that we actually share that speaker in common um, on social media. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know who I'm talking about? I mean, they do big events, JT Fox. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they do huge events. And when he said, I'm the number one expert, I looked at it, I'm like... Um, I don't know if it's true or not because I didn't know who that was. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how do you validate, especially if a person is standing in front of a room of a thousand people, if he says or she says what she says and if it's true or not? Ask them. Okay. Simple. Ask them. They, they, pro- they provide paid resources. I can pay $1,500 right now and appear on Entrepreneur and appear on Huffington Post. Right, but right. It doesn't, make, so, it doesn't make me number one expert, though. No, it doesn't. So I right. would ask them, what are the results 
I want to know a testimonial as to the results of your validity of your claim. So if you are a sales expert, what did you do in sales last year? If you are a communication expert, what's your biggest success story that you help somebody better communicate to get a result? It's all about results because results always speak for themselves. Results in their own company or results through testimonials? Results in their own company specific to their topic. So if, they're, if they say, if I ask Patricia Fripp, Patricia, tell me why you're the number one expert in the world on presentation skills. Patricia yeah. would tell you, because I have worked with this client, this client, and this client, and this is the result, the direct result of my interaction with them speak, doing speech coaching. This is what they did based on how I helped them. Okay, so that would be the testimony. You know the CP, you know a Hall of Fame that she's a trailblazer. That she's, you know, the number twenty-five coach in the world. She won't tell you any of that. She'll right. tell you about the results that she's got. Right. So that's a great example through uh, result through testimonials. Yeah. Okay. And on the on the first one you mentioned is the result through personal business. Yeah. Right. So if somebody's claiming they're the number one expert from stage, you want to see how much business are they closing from stage. What yeah. is the company generating on the back end once the event is over? Exactly. If they say that they're the number one LinkedIn expert, great. Where's, where does LinkedIn say that you're the number one expert on their platform? I want to yeah. see that. So validate. It's validation. And, and it's up to you to validate who you're actually learning from. Um, and that's one of the goals of extra credits is that we take away that uncertainty, if you will, of who is actually teaching the content, first of all, and then who is actually accrediting the content, because extra credits for those of you who are just listening now and don't know, we offer continuing education credits guaranteed for our content. And so it really helps the professional filter through everything. So if you go to Udemy, for example, Udemy has tons of courses. And, but you don't know who's who, you know, you want to take a photography course and somebody's teaching a photography course for $10, let's say, but you don't know if they know anything about photography. They could just be selling a course for 10 bucks. That's right. Now, what are you, you're in Canada, but your company operates in Canada and the States. I actually operate globally. So we have some clients that are um, outside of North America. Very few, but mostly we're more, mostly North American based. Yeah. Okay. So how do you get into the state department to have these programs accredited with the state? That's question number one. I'm curious. Question number two, and I'm sure people listening to this would have the same question, <laughs> is um, what industries do you cover? Okay, so uh, let's answer the first part of the question. Yes. So wanting to know how do you get into the States? Well, my relationships, first of all. So we have a number of very well-established relationships and a number of accrediting bodies. So extra credits was really built off of a problem that we solved in a gap in the market. And so when I was working in a previous company that I owned, we were working with professional coaches and they were working with many different executives in, in different market sectors. And one of the coaches that we were working with, they were doing retreats. So just to give you a little background, they were doing a retreat for a construction company who required gold seal certification. The, the executives all had to be gold seal certified. 
And so they were doing leadership training at a retreat off-site. And I said to the coach, why are you not offering them continuing education? If they need gold seal certification and leadership training and you have an actual curriculum that you're serving them, why is it not gold seal certified? To me, it would seem that that would make the most sense because you're coaching them, you're giving them a curriculum and training and the value add would be their CEs. And they didn't have an answer. So we went to gold seal certification here in Canada and we got accredited for that particular curriculum. And then the client, then the coach said to me, well, I actually have some clients in the U S who are CPAs. Can we take that same training and get it certified for CPAs? But he didn't know how to do it. He had nowhere to go. He didn't know what to do, nor did he have the time, the resources or the budget to try to navigate through all the periphery of paperwork that each accrediting body requires. So I said, well, let's see. So we went to NASBA, it took us a year to get the approval. And then I knew I was onto something, not just from a coaching perspective, but from a professional perspective as well, because now experts, subject matter experts who had great content, didn't want to have to go through all the paperwork and build the relationships of these different accrediting bodies in different industries to get their content accredited. So there was the value of what the problem solving of the SME. And then there was the professional who wanted the CE credits, but wasn't getting them from providers who were giving really good content. And they were complaining about the content that was being delivered that they wanted to poke their eyeballs out because it was so bad, but they had to take it. So I was like, wait a minute, there's something here. And that's really where extra credits was formed was from a process of how do you get the content accredited in multiple markets. So we're in 27 different industries now and we're growing. Wow. And how do we actually serve the subject matter expert content and act and provide valuable content that's engaging and fun so that the professional doesn't want to poke their eyeballs out at the end and they can actually walk away and, and apply it to their career or their business. Okay. So the 27 industries, what are, uh, can you name so some? We're, industries? Yeah, we're across the gamut. So financial planners, CPAs, mortgage consultants, uh, insurance industry, chiropractic industry, coaching industry, eight human resources, like it goes on and on. What about real estate? So real estate is a different market because we are mostly soft skill based, meaning communication, corporate culture, train, uh, leadership, development, diversity and inclusion. Um, real estate is very technically acronym. So meaning we need to talk about um, negotiation of an actual contract between a buyer and a seller or short sales or foreclosure or those types of things that are very more technically related and not self-skilled. Although yeah. soft skill is very important in the real estate because if you can't communicate properly, you can't articulate to the client or to the buyer and you can't negotiate a sale, you're not a good realtor, period. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, their competencies that the real estate board from different states, because it's not federally driven, it's provincially driven, um, are different. And most of them are technically based. Not to say that you couldn't get a realtor who was an expert that could talk about how to negotiate the sale, but in order to get approved, they need to be um, positioned their curricula to the technical side of, of the competencies. 
Okay, so the soft skills, you mentioned leadership development and culture development. I'm assuming you already have experts in that uh, matter, correct? Yeah, but we're always looking for more experts. Okay, great. So somebody even in a medical professional or let's say they're a massage therapist working for a company, uh, they'll still be able to take advantage of the programs that you offer as far as soft skills go. Yeah, absolutely. Your site, extracredits.com, is that something for the experts to go to or somebody as an end user they could go there and find the Both. It's actually all three. So if you're an accrediting body that's looking for a catalog of courses because you want to add member value and engagement and retention, you'd come to extra credits. If so you if are if a, I'm an employer and I got 15 employees, yeah, right? Okay, so I can go there credits. and have, okay, awesome. Exactly. We have a curriculum of content. Whether you need continuing education or not, we've got really valuable content. And if you are a consumer, being your, the professional who wants to actually better your business, better your career, you would come to us as well. Okay, excellent. So what do you find more interesting, uh, more, more participation from the States or from Canada as far as running extra credits? Well, it just all depends on, on the subject matter expert and where their influence is, right? So we're, we're all over the place in the U.S. We probably have more clients in the U.S. than we do in Canada, but that's because geographically you're 31 times bigger than we are. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's just based on numbers more than it is on, on value. Okay. And when did you start this company? So I started Extra Credits in 2015. So it would have been about December of 2015. Okay, three years. We're a relatively new company. Yeah, well, it looks like you're doing really big things. And the people- Well, you know what, like I said, it's all about your relationships. And so we have really good relationships with our accrediting bodies. Um, So the average person that would come in to try to manage all the paperwork and get the approvals and then the compliance on the backside of continuing education, we can fast track it because we have those relationships already built. And so what would might take you three or four months would take us maybe 30 days to complete from start to finish. And because we built a really highly effective process and system on the back end to manage all that information, um, it would just are able to fast track things quicker for you. Were you in the same field or doing something similar before starting extra credit? No, no. So I had, I was before extra credits. Well, first it was a private investigator and then I um, actually built with a, a, a lady, a software company um, that helped navigate the IRS and the CRA Um, reporting requirements from a coaching perspective for small businesses when they go away on retreats. And so that's really where extra credits was formed from. Wow. That's a very interesting concept. I actually have a buddy of mine who just started a um, a financial um, analyst consulting company. Okay. Yep. So something like that uh, would actually be of interest to them. Yeah. So what happens, like, especially in the coaching network or the facilitation network, you know, you take your client on a retreat and you work on the business of of their business and and their team. And then four years or six years later, IRS or CRA comes and says, Hey, we're going to audit you. And by the way, we want to see all the proof of identification that you actually went on that retreat. And it wasn't a family vacation disguised as a retreat. And so the software that we built actually compiled all the reporting requirements necessary so that when the client comes back to the 
the coach or the facilitator, they can just literally hand them the report and say, here you go. Here's the whole entire report, all the discussions, the tracking, everything. So that, you know, CRA or IRS, because none of us likes to get audited, uh, walks away and says, thank you very much. That was, you know, proof of, of the validity of what you're right. doing at that particular retreat. That's interesting. So you saw a gap, you saw a need for extra credits and you wanted to merge both industries, both worlds, because the traditional accreditation process just wasn't oh, it's the, crazy. The, way, the way you saw it, right? And, yeah, I, and I understand that part because I mentioned before that um, my wife is a speech therapist, so I understand the process that she goes through. Like every two years, she's got to take classes uh, to get her credits, to keep her license, and, and she's self-employed. She doesn't work for an agency, so all of her yeah. uh, clients are hers. Uh, but I also have my own clients that have, you know, hundreds of employees that are in this in, um, similar niche. Yeah. And they go through this process, right? But and you I bet if you asked them all, they'd say, do you enjoy your continuing education? That they you dread have? it. They dread they it. They all will tell you, no, I want to poke my eyeballs out because it's so terrible. And Johnny Joe, the instructor is monotone in nature and, doesn't know what he's talking about and I press replay and I walk away and, and you know all those things and and it's unfortunate that that happens because at the end of the day the value of what you learn you should be able to apply and if Absolutely. you're spending time having to do something it should be as much value in the time that you take to do it as what you're getting in return absolutely and in, my in my opinion you learn best by loving what you're learning because if you're loving what you're learning you're actually experiencing you're internalizing it goes through your nervous system so you retain the information better this way you could be much better of service in the real world instead of just sitting in a boring class or watching a boring video you know just for the sake of putting a check mark in that box saying okay exactly. i did it <laughs> exactly you know rafael i'm glad you said that because you know lots of times online training gets a hard hit in in the media and what have you for oh it's you know the one stop shop where you you know you take it and then you walk away and you never apply anything but you hit the nail on on the you're right there's not a lot of accountability to what you apply. So who holds you accountable? You, you know, you learn something, now you walk away and you have to apply it. And somebody's got to hold you accountable to that. Because truly, at the end of the day, we're all busy and we all have things going on and we have those ordained tasks in our life that we have to take care of first. Um, but if you love what you do, you will apply what you learn. And that's really important. And that, you will be your own accountability feature. Absolutely. I count about maybe two to three percent out of all professionals actually love what it is that they're doing. They're passionate about. They're not afraid to share it on their social media pages. Uh, they're like one of my clients. Uh, it's a partnership of three people. Yeah. And one of them in particular, I almost always make fun of him every time I walk into their office. He got <laughs> more accreditations than a phone book used to have names. <laughs> It's insane, but guess what? This dude, it actually, I'm, I'm, I have him on, on a list to be as a guest on a podcast because this is somebody I consider successful in his own right to yeah. do what he did by not even anticipating that's what he's going to do. And yeah. he did it through deliberate hard work, focus, and understanding that hard work today has a payoff down the road. 
And he's not even 35 yet. He's a young yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, and he's passionate. And the way you could tell he's passionate is because his patients, his clients absolutely love him. Love like, him. They don't want to go to anybody else but him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he came to a point where like, okay, I got to start working on the business instead of just working in the business. Yes. So now he's doing both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he cannot let go of the other. Why? Because he's that passionate about his chosen profession. Well, and people don't buy products or services. They buy into people. It's, and I, we hear it all, all the time, and I don't know how many times we can say it, but it's true. People buy people. They don't buy products and services. That's just the end result. Absolutely. And here, here's, another, here's the thing that I wanted to mention is that I know I have another client who used to be that guy's patient. Oh. <laughs> and here's what she told me. This was profound to me. She's a doctor, right? Yeah. But at the time, she was a physical therapist. And I guess she was giving up on the idea of physical therapy. Like, she's like, is it really worth it? Is it? She's like, when I had a problem with my shoulder and was a serious problem, she's like, I went to see him. She's like, this guy gave me hope in that profession. Because yeah. after just two or three visits, she's like, I did not, she's like, and I'm a medical professional. She's like, I did not expect to have the result that I had after seeing him. Like, Back to that different. results again. See, exactly. Raphael, that guy's yep. an expert because he delivers results. And the, the, the reason why he's delivering these results at such a level is because he's passionate about what he's doing. Therefore, he's pouring into this profession of his, not just from a business point, but from a practitioner standpoint of learning and then going back and executing. So I think what you're doing and by bringing this talent and making it available on a state level to the, then to the end consumer and to advance their profession is something amazing. Well, and, and there's lots of, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you very much. I think that there's a big gap. There's a big problem in the market as far as value in what we're offering. And that's my goal is to add value in this market space so that people don't want to poke their eyeballs out anymore and that they're actually genuinely excited about learning because there's only, like you said, 3% of the world that like you and I, and like the gentleman that you're talking about that are continually dedicated to learning something every single day. Um, 3% of the world, and there's how, there's what, 71 billion people in the world today? 7.7 so billion. 3% of 71 billion people want to learn and the rest don't? That's a profound. There's a problem. Oh, boy. You know, um, your mission, you were talking about bringing value, is very in alignment in uh, this podcast. The podcast is You Influence. Yeah. You know, people not even realizing how much influence they already have, but more importantly, yeah. if they if they start making taking actions on purpose, right? When we call when we say we, you bring value, you, what you're doing is you're positively influencing another human being, or yeah. an, or an industry, or a profession, or an event, whatever it is. And you know, influence is one thing, but and it's great that we have influence and we have influencers, but influencing somebody is one thing. Making an impact is a completely other thing. 
And if I can influence somebody to make an impact and have a result, that's the golden ticket. It's not about, you know, influencing and that's, saying, hey, here I am. That's and step two. The way I see it, the yeah, because the impact will only count from our accountability. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they have to want to do it. Like you have to want to have a change in your life or or learn more. And I and it was says, oh, you know, you should always learn your. I disagree with this. Everybody says, learn your weakness. Screw learning your weakness. Hone your what you're really really good at. Hire your weakness. Because why would you take all your time and your dedication and resources to learn something that you're weak at and then forget about what you're really strong at? Keep honing what you're strong at and hire your weakness. So there's, I agree with you, okay? Here's the only but that I'll add to this because okay. I know my weaknesses, obviously. Like, I, I think yeah. every business owner should and must know yes. their weaknesses, okay? You cannot just say, well, I'm going to focus on my strengths, screw my weaknesses. I'm going to hire somebody and pay them. You have to be fully aware of your weakness. And yes. you need to understand the details of that weakness. Yes. Because if you hire somebody to perform your weaknesses, there's no way in hell you'll be able to hold them accountable. Otherwise, it's just going to be yeah. payable to waste and they're, they're happy to be there because they're getting paid. You cannot hold yes, somebody to a, to a new standard or higher standard by executing your weakness. Yes, they're getting paid and it's well-deserved. Why? Because it's something you shouldn't be performing because that's a waste of your time, right? Yeah. It's, not, it's not the best ROI on that. But yeah. as a leader who understands his or her weaknesses, you need to know in detail what it is that you expect the other person to do because yeah. otherwise there's no accountability. Well, absolutely. You're absolutely right, Raphael. And the other thing too is, is that you need to be knowledgeable in your weakness. Yes, absolutely. Truly, you need to be knowledgeable. So when I first started my business, um, I knew nothing about online marketing. Nothing. Like I'll be the first to admit I was dumb as the day is long when it came to online marketing and making some bad business decisions with experts who said they were experts in that field made me hold myself accountable to the enough knowledge to understand who really was the expert in the industry and who wasn't so that I could speak enough intelligently about the language, but I didn't need to be lethal in the execution. Yep. Makes perfect sense. And then I, you know, found, found my great marketing team based on, on that exact you know, I had a problem and I fixed it. I had gotten, like you said, enough knowledge. But I am not going to focus on my weakness of, you know, continuing to hone that skill. I'm just going to hire it out. Just like I hate numbers in business. I absolutely yeah. hate it. I know enough about them, but I have a great CFO who can, you know, handle all the, all the numbers that she needs to because she eats, lives, and breathes it. And she's a completely different personality than me, which is good because that fits that market. I hear you. That sounds uh, too close to home. I get it. <laughs> Numbers were not my strong point, even in school. So yeah, anything related either. to detailed work, analytics, stuff, stuff like that, um, I, I do outsource. I allow other people to perform that task and yeah. I pay them. But again, coming back to this, I need to understand it well enough to hold somebody yeah. accountable because if I go in there one day and out of the blue, because like my, my, you know, what, what do you call it? the OCD kicks in? And if I start digging and I find errors, 
I need to understand that those are errors. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But you're not going to spend your time, your absolutely value. Not. Absolutely not. Learning, it's a waste. You know, no. It's not the best use of our time. It's a complete waste of your time. And it's a role identification. Have you ever um, read the book, just a minute, let me think here, Rocket Fuel by Gino no. Wickman? No, let me write that one down. It's Rocket a Fuel. fantastic book. It's all about roles in your business. Who's the visionary in your business and who's the integrator? And the visionary really is somebody who sees beyond the obvious and understands and can see all these things that are happening in the markets and literally blow shit up. And the integrator is the one who picks up all the pieces and puts it together and makes it happen. And it talks about role identification and really understanding, are you a visionary or are you an integrator? And if you're the visionary, stay in your damn role. And if you're the, if they're integrator, stay out of their role and let them do their job. And so Steve Jobs, for instance, is a visionary. You know, Richard Branson is a visionary. Warren Buffett is a visionary. But they don't integrate. They hire somebody to do this component of their business. That's right. And as, soon, really, as, that, really as soon as that visionary starts micromanaging who they delegate to, that's they're not the, in their role the, anymore. Exactly. That's the beginning of a disaster. So yeah. one last thing I want to touch on on that part, because I know people will be listening to this. And especially, with, like, I don't want to pick on them, but the, the younger generation that's listening to the, you know, expert, not so-called, but real experts out there, and they'll confuse that message exactly what you and I just shared, right, in our outsource your weakness. They'll confuse that with the message of don't do the hard work. Like, if the hard work is equated to uh, focusing on the weaknesses and making them better, that's not the message because there is hard work in the daily activities uh, in the space that you're good at, that you're strong in, but the hard work still has to be done. It, the hard work is, doesn't mean doing what you suck at. No, okay? and I think, I think Raphael, I don't think it's like, I think, you know, you've said the millennials and the younger generation, and I want to defend them. Uh, in, I'm, not, in, I'm not attacking them. Oh, 90% yeah, no, 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 of my, no, of my employees think, before were all absolutely. millennials, and I love working with them. Because, because it was the funnest crowd to work with and yeah. it's the best organization to go and attack something as long as this generation, but I was there too at some point, you know, yeah. we, at that stage of our life, we're looking for proper leadership and guidance. Mm -hmm. So if that's in place, I, in my opinion, that's the best audience to go and work with. But I'm yeah. talking about even the younger, what's the next generation after millennials? We're talking about like the 19, 20 year old kids that are just starting to enter the work uh, space. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think hard work, you know, if I, if I was thinking about the actual term of hard work, I think it's defined differently by lots of different people, regardless of their age. Um, right. Everything that you do in business, in life, in your personal relationships requires work, period. There's no, it's, it's how much time you're going to dedicate and how productive you are in the hours that you do work yes. to get to the end result. Absolutely. Regardless of what age, I don't think it really matters. And leadership, you're right, has a lot to do. I know a lot of young people who are way better leaders than somebody who is got gray hair. So I don't think it's the age, like it's the age. Sometimes you are it's the mentality, the mindset, and sometimes it's just what God gave you 
inside your body and in your mind to be able to lead people. You just have an instinctual nature to be able to do that. Or you could develop it. Yep, absolutely. Right. Yeah, you have to. I, even if you are born a leader, you still have to hone your expertise, not your weakness. Yep. And some people are not born leaders. No. Nope. But they come to a point of their life and they start studying it, they start applying it, and they become a great one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So how would you define a positive influence on an individual level? I think a positive influence is somebody that has made an impact on you that you can actually say has given you some type of result or impact. Okay. Through manifestation. Pardon me? That benefits you. Yeah. Or your family or, you know, people around you, your network. I look at my parents. My parents have had a, and still do to this day, a very positive influence on my life. I would not be the person I am today had I not had great parents who taught me that, you know, get up in the morning to do the work, don't complain, put your great big girl panties on and just get it done when you need to get it done. And not everything in life is going to be roses and there's no silver platters and there's no white picket fence. You know, there's all those wonderful things. Um, those, and I genuinely believe that those are wonderful things because those are gifts. They've given me those gifts of knowledge um, to be able to be a great human being. And I think as parents, we forget that sometimes because we're so busy in our life doing all these different things and we have technology and you know easy babysitters and all these great things now that the biggest impact you can have on somebody is teaching them to be a really good person. That is a second golden nugget. Yeah. And a valuable <laughs> contributor. Yeah. It's one thing to be a good person, but it's also you need to contribute to life and have purpose. Yeah. Great leaders raise great leaders, not followers. Yes. That's awesome. Lisa, I'd love to get into a couple of more topics, but I know you have another meeting to catch in about 10 minutes. Love um, to come on again. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have you back here. That's awesome. Listen, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate this. You're welcome. We'll be uh, doing another episode with you uh, later on as well. Sounds good. And good luck on your podcast. I know you've just started it. So yep. uh, congratulations on being impactful. Thank you. Thank you. We're learning from the best and moving forward. Bye for now. Take care.